three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. And, oh my god, that's Triple H. And that's very apropos for what I'm reviewing today, because I'm reviewing You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which, oh, there's so much to say about said documentary. And, luckily, I have a fellow wrestling fan here making her debut, uh... I've got Ray here. Ray, how are you, friend? I am really good, Hunter. You know, and in the time of COVID, I'm about as good as I can be. That, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, so I'm over here in Reno, um, in case you are a first-time listener. And uh, we're, so we're right here by California, obviously. So I look outside. I can't even see uh, the mountains right now. There's so much smoke. So I've Ugh. been uh, pretty much barricaded in the house, like. You know, COVID obviously has done that, but I mean, I was able to go for walks around my complex, and that's not a thing right now. So I'm really, to to paraphrase the Temptations, I'm I wish it would rain. I could really have like a <laughs> solid five, six days of rain. I would not be mad at that. But so I'm talking about this movie and or documentary, whatever. And I will say for myself, David Arquette's always been one of those guys who's really irritated me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm with you there. Like, he's really just always irked me. Like, so I'm not a huge horror person, but I remember even the first scream, I was like, oh, he's going to die, and he didn't. I'm like, well, that's dumb. But <laughs> but I think about just going through his filmography before we, uh, we uh, got on here. It's a lot of stuff I'm just like, eh, whether it's a... Uh, I, I like Scream 1 and Scream 2. I think they fall off pretty quickly after that. Um, I do have a soft spot for uh, Muppets from Space because I oh. just, I'm, I do love the Muppets. I know, we do. Uh, have you ever listened I, to the commentary yeah. track for that? I have not, oh, no. The is commentary it, is track it? is like uh, Kermit and Gonzo and Pepe and stuff, and they're talking about it like they are, you know, actual actors on the sets and what they really? went through in filming it and everything. It's hysterical. Okay, I might have actually check that out. Um, but then you get to like something like right. So I, <laughs> it's one of those movies I know it's bad. I love Ready to Rumble. I think it's fun. I know it's fucking stupid. Like like you don't have to convince me it's a bad movie. But I'm a fan of Ready to Rumble. But I'm a huge Oliver Platt fan too. So I I that's how I excuse it. Um, you look at something like C Spot Run, Eight Legged Freaks. Like it's just a bunch of you know meh. Uh, type shit. Yeah, I just I, mm-hmm. I yeah. agree though that Oliver Platt can make anything better. So he really can, and he actually was just uh, David Arquette was just in this movie uh, Spree with um oh I can't think of the kid from Stranger Things um ah, I'm blanking on his name uh Steve from Stranger Things okay okay and, and I love David Arquette in that uh, Joe Carey that was it and I thought he was great in that and so I was like okay like. I was actually really happy to see something that I liked because I was it's been, you know, forever. So going into this, we have to kind of talk about our history of wrestling. And we've talked about this off mic uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm a wrestling fan. My earliest wrestling memory would be 
watching the old school WWF at the time, Coliseum Home Video uh, pay-per-views because I wasn't watching, you know, the, you know, every three or four month pay-per-views, whatever. But I used to go to Video Choice in Pismo Beach, California, and I would rent all the old wrestling pay-per-views. I remember renting WrestleMania 10 and watching, and you know, the first uh, big WWE ladder match with, uh, you know, uh, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, and uh, Shawn Michaels, and that just blowing my mind and going, whoa, and seeing The Undertaker for the first time and Sting and all these larger-than-life characters that I just really grew up uh, loving. Uh, then when I got into my teenage years, of course, I lived through the through the Monday Night Wars. I was watching WWF at the time again, primarily. But I would switch back and forth to WCW uh, on occasion as well, because, again, huge Sting fan. And I remember it like it was yesterday in WCW in the year 2000, where WCW was just running out of steam and just throwing, you know, whatever the fuck they wanted to at the wall <laughs> to see if it would <laughs> if it would stick. I remember they brought in David Arquette, and that's when Ready to Rumble was coming out. And yeah, I remember they, thinking they were all over that. that they produced that, did they not? They did, yeah, because yeah. that's why there's so many of the wrestlers, you know, like Kidman and, like, yeah. you know, people like that in there. I, I love that I could have mentioned Goldberg and I brought Kidman first, but, <laughs> but, but I remember watching it live, and I, and I think people forget, David Arquette won the WCW title on Thunder. He couldn't even win it on Nitro or on a pay-per-view. He won it on T-fucking-V. And I remember going, oh, this is the death nail in WCW. And it turned out to be because everyone, you know, lost their shit. Yeah, they did. I appreciate this film just off the fact it humanizes him off of what was a very dumb decision that was no part of his own uh, Mm -hmm. or no fault of his own. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you kind of go, wow, it made me hate WCW more, if I'm being honest, and it made me hate Vince Russo more, <laughs> who I've never been a fan of. But um, all that to say, Ray, talk to me. What What are your earliest memories as a wrestling fan, and what were you kind of thinking going into this? Well, it's interesting because I grew up in a pretty strict household, and I was not allowed to watch wrestling. It was trash. It was garbage. We, you know, no, no, no. So I had to sneak every once in a while and, you know, watch late, late Saturday night on Channel 13 or something, you know, where they would be rerunning something that um, I wasn't supposed to be watching. Uh, So I have a few memories from that because that would be, of course, pretty interspersed, intermittent and that kind of thing. Um, Basically, I didn't kind of get into it till I was in college and I... I went to college in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Coliseum there, of course, would host, you know, a lot of wrestling events, and uh, the wrestlers would end up afterwards in some of the bars and everything around campus. So um, I actually met a couple of the wrestlers and Ooh. I knew their names sort of, and, and I didn't know all their names. I knew a couple of them, but, you know, just talking to them kind of got me a little more interested. Uh, but I was a poor college student and didn't have money for, you know, tickets half the time and pay-per-views and things. So would have to pair up with a buddy, you know, somebody who had cable or somebody who, you know, we would all pitch in and, and, 
maybe get one of the pay-per-views. So again, my wrestling knowledge is a little sparse until you get to about the time I met my husband and he was a huge wrestling fan. So that got me a lot more access uh, to, okay. you know, to watch it and to be able to, because he and his friends would always get the pay-per-views every time, or we, you know, find the one bar that was having uh, the pay-per-view or something like that so that we could watch them. And since then it's, it's been pretty steady and I've been, you know, we've been to the Royal Rumble. We've been to a couple of raw live raw um, shows and been to several local shows here in Austin. A lot of the guys that are on AEW right now um, and, or NXT, I saw Russell live many, many times on the indie circuit and it's, you know, sit in front row at something indie like that. And the guys are actually, you know, falling in your lap when they get thrown out of the ring because you're that close. It's really, to me, it's just a joy to watch because I, even though I know that the outcomes are scripted, these guys are athletes. These guys are performers. They're doing it live. They're some of the best live stuntmen. You know, the really good yeah. ones are some of the best live stuntmen that you will watch. And that is really, really fun. I, I, so I, I think something that we do have to bring up uh, as, as far as wrestling now, um, I still remember in that now I, I fully acknowledge, I, you know, growing up watching WWE, I do have a disdain for WWE now. <laughs> really, really pretty much because of Vince McMahon, because I just think he's a garbage human being. Yeah, it's time for him to retire. Shh, I didn't he, say that. Shh. Yeah, I I still remember when Stephanie McMahon compared uh, the 9-11 attacks to uh, Vince being sued by the federal government for the, the whole steroid trial, that <sighs> whole scandal. I remember watching that live and looking at my mom going, what the fuck is wrong with her? <laughs> like, and, I, and I never cussed in the house because, you know, race Christian. But even my mom was like, yeah, what the hell is her problem? I'm like, yeah. And pretty much since then, it's been very, like, this year after year, they've shaped, they've done something each year where I go, morality needs to kick in at some point. <laughs> Vince dropping the N-word on live TV to John Cena, that was kind of my straw. I'm like, well, shit. Um, have a lot of respect for the athletes. But what's crazy about back then, we look at the female talent. And they were just eye candy. That's really oh, it was all pillow it was. fights and pajama parties and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the only thing they didn't have was silly string, and I'm sure they had that at some point. I just can't remember. But you look at the women now. You look at just uh, uh, like Sheeta over in AEW, who I, I is a nerd and is to be a guy for a second. She's so goddamn gorgeous. Oh my god. Uh, but you look at someone like her. You look at someone like Bailey, Sasha Banks. Uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, um, uh, you know, uh, Nia N- 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 Rose. I mean, they've been there's been a lot of influx of female uh, talent. A uh, Sarah Del Rey to go very old school. Um, all these women now are being treated as they should, uh, as well as their male counterparts as far as what they can do in the ring. And I appreciate the fact that this is a very light wrestling history lesson it does talk about primarily of course about david arquette but it does go into a little bit of the aspects of the business which was something i was happy they did they went to the whole booking 
aspect. And that really is at the end of the day, what killed WCW was the booking. Um, you know, they talk about how David Arquette went ahead and entered WCW, as I mentioned in the year 2000, uh, goes ahead, wins the world title on a thunder. And I think his title defense, I think was, 10 days later at Slamber, I think at Slamboree, yeah, I want to say. the belt for more than two weeks, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. which is absurd in itself, but. It's absurd, I, he, yeah, that he held the belt. And, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, we'll but I also remember, but I also remember Randy Savage winning it uh, in WCW, losing to Hogan the next night a couple times. So, I mean, so <laughs> who are we to throw stones? But I love the way that they went through and really talked about the influence of the internet because um, Wrestling with Regret, which is this YouTube channel I'm a huge fan of, Brian Zane, who runs that, he went off about, like, what the fuck were they thinking? And you, it gives you this little montage of all these people online. Um, I'm surprised I wasn't in there uh, talking about how much this just in for, for them killed the business. And yeah. It totally it, did. And unfortunately, yeah. the one thing you get while watching this, though, is because I remember living through the outrage. What you get watching this is how much, I think you mentioned it before, that Arquette really didn't have anything to do with that. But At he all. was the object of the ire because he was the guy yep. who was out front. Yeah, and I and, and I also would like to point out Vince Russo did win the world title as well, and I don't remember there being nearly as much outrage about that, which I, the irony in that when you think about how shitty Vince Russo is and how he really tanked WCW, but I, I love the fact this documentary starts off with Ric Flair, because while he's not my favorite wrestler of all time, for me, it would be Shawn Michaels, um, Kenny Omega is working his way up there because he's amazing. I have always respected the talent of Ric Flair and the way he always felt like a world champion, even when he was in NWA before he got to WWE or WCW. And it um, gives some legitimacy and gravitas right up the top for anybody well that said. is a wrestling fan, which is something yeah. that this needed to be grounded in for wrestling fans, I think, because yeah. of what we just talked about with Arcade. Yeah. Because there is a point, kind of, and I wouldn't even say early on, but it almost feels like the documentary itself, if you're watching it, does feel like you're almost waiting for the shoe to drop in the sense of where it's going to get kind of goofy or kind of turn into a comedy. And there are obviously those comedic moments because it is, you know, fucking David Arquette. But this has done more to humanize him for me than any role he's ever had um, in the interview any interview I've seen him do. Um, I love that Ric Flair talks about the fact that, oh yeah, he gave him his blessing as a person and the interviewer goes, oh, what about as a wrestler? He's like, well, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. Um, Ric Flair has had his own uh, issues, you know, taxes, but uh, <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that Flair uh, did sit down. I So I don't know about you, Ray. I didn't know that Arquette got married again. That was actually the thing that caught me the most off guard, if I'm being honest. So I was like, oh, you're married. Okay, cool. I, and, I knew he got married again, but I didn't know. I didn't realize who it was or what she did. You know, I didn't know anything about her at all. But I did know he got married again, and I did know that he had other kids, um, which it's interesting, too, when you watch that aspect of, especially early on in the documentary, you're like, um, are we sure he's the oldest guy in the room? Because he yeah. just, you still are getting that sense that he never grew up. 
that and that's part I think of what annoyed a lot of people in, in outside of WCW but when he was acting and doing things is that he didn't treat his life like a grown-up he didn't treat his life like it was worth anything for a long time and and I know that that comes from you know some deep-seated early on PTSD all the way back from his childhood. And I know that comes from some other mental illness problems and things like that. And I, and I know it comes from some substance abuse, which unfortunately is running the Arquette family. I know that it comes from that, but even when you know it comes from that, you can look at that and kind of see, okay, this is why I found him annoying. He doesn't take anything seriously. He's not taking himself seriously either. And at the beginning of the documentary, I'm not so much the first thing I'm thinking is he's, he's, I'm worried for him. Were you worried for him or was it yes. just me? I was extremely worried for him. So that's the thing I, I, about this documentary. I think I love the most is that when he is talking about getting back in the ring, um, his, his wife, uh, his wife, by the, uh, by the way, uh, Christina, uh, McClarty Arquette, that is what I'm going to go with. Um, so she, so, pardon me, I believe uh, the eldest daughter was, I think, 15 or 16. Um, they yeah, had, 15, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, then they had a boy who I think was like seven or eight, and they had like a like a 15-month-old, I think is what they said, too. So, I mean, so, so there are three kids there. The thing that tripped me out, and I don't know about you, that again, to, to age myself a little bit here, they talk about this Vanity Fair cover that he was on. Um, with Will Smith and Matthew McConaughey and Benicio del Toro and uh, uh, I think I said Leo McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matthew McConaughey, just in case I did. But these, you know, these actors who've gone on to have, you know, win Oscars and Golden Globes and all this, and you can almost tell that there's some some anger towards Hollywood from Christina's side because she's talking about how she was you know, like a reporter and how she won a, uh, like a daytime Emmy for her, for her work. And you see her interviewing these, you know, these major celebrities and how once she met David, uh, <laughs> met him at a, at an eighties party, uh, which I thought was really funny. Uh, I mean, go fucking figure. Right. And how she thought about he, he had never even seen scream because she doesn't do horror movies, which I girl, I feel you on that. Just talking about how, what his career could have been. And how this whole WCW thing was almost a double-edged sword. Where, yeah, he got to play wrestler for a little bit, but it almost alienated or blacklisted him from Hollywood. And it's, when it's put in those terms, it actually made me immediately go, oh, wow, we really didn't know the whole story. And we gave him a lot more shit than we should have given the circumstances. And so I immediately felt guilty for all the shit I've talked about him for like 20 years. I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. And it's, yeah, go I, ahead. I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel that necessarily because I looked at it too of, yes, he, as you go on with the documentary, you get the idea. And even more than that, I mean, my husband really pointed this out, that David Arquette is the one that feels that that movie and that time in the wrestling ring is really where everything went wrong, where he lost everything. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think he's got a, several other things to blame it on too, but from his point of view, that's where he lost it. 
and he oh, it's almost like he feels if he can go back and fix that, he can fix his life. And yeah. that's another thing where I start to worry for him because I'm like, dude, we all want to go back. There's, you know, there's always something in us that goes, God, if I could just go back and do that different, my life would be so much better. And, you know, you can't, you can't go home again. You can't go, you know, you can't really go back. And I just, there was the other part I started to worry about. I didn't want to see him get hurt physically, but I also didn't want to see him get hurt again mentally and emotionally, which is again yeah. weird because I'm being pulled into this thing about this guy who up until watching the documentary, I probably could have cared less about. Same. <laughs> Complete same. I I think for me where my empathy, my empathy came in for him is because you know, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before or whatever. As someone who deals with depression, I I understand how your art can be freeing in that aspect. And it feels like since the art the art of acting in many ways was taken from him and the thing that he really loved in aspects was tarnished for him, that he was almost in this middle ground if he couldn't do either. So that's where my sympathy, I'm like, dude, I... I, I fucking feel that on, on, on that level. I love the fact, though, that they have him go to, you know, get, like, medically checked out and everything. And there's that scene where they're talking about his brain and how um, mm-hmm. and how it's just wired or, or, or not wired at points. And that was one of those scenes in the documentary that I found very, very, it was a very, very somber moment. It was like, oh, wow. Okay. Where his doctor is telling him like look dude like um they're, they're talking about like the not the valves but that they're uh they put some things in the chest to like help his blood pressure and then he's on well, blood thinning he medication had a heart attack i didn't know he'd had a heart attack he's, he's i didn't crazy. either yeah when this documentary starts he's only a year out from a heart attack yeah which is insane like saying that out loud hearing you say i'm like yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, to... here we go. Here we go. I've got, I've got depression. My brain's not wired right. Oh, I had a heart attack a year ago. I don't work out. I don't take care of myself. I'm overweight. Oh, and um, I'm an alcoholic, but yet I still drink. And yeah. you're going, and then he, and then in like, and then he goes, oh, and the best thing I could do is get in a wrestling ring, and I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. No, don't do it. <laughs> and, like, and here I am on my couch at my TV going, oh, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, and all of a sudden I care. Yeah. I, and and honestly, so I'm going to ask you being married. And I think it's a fair question. I felt so bad for his wife. Like, I felt so bad for her watching this because she clearly wants to be supportive. Like, she clearly wants to be, which, as a spouse, you should be, which, you know, gold star for her. But she is, at that point, at points being like, look, like, you have to understand how serious this is. And there's that there's that scene where uh, she talks about, you know, he had a heart attack last year, this year he's in the wrestling, you know, do I even get to still be married to him next year? And you're kind of yeah. like, you're yeah. like, well... I mean, you know, and, and, and some people will go, oh, that's dramatic. And I'm like, it's really not when the doctor lays out everything and how, like, he fucked up his ribs and how, 
you know, like having a 300 pound man land on you, that yeah. could do it for him, you yeah. know? And, and yet throughout all of that, I, my big draw for him, I think when the movie really does start to pick up is he has this line that honestly, I had to pause the documentary because it was making me cry where he goes, I'm sick of being a joke. Uh, to be honest, if you're part of the joke, it's not as painful as if you are the joke. And I was like, you know what? First off, that's a complete tortured artist thing to say. <laughs> number oh, yeah. One. Number one. Like, I was like, oh, I feel I feel accused. Uh, but but, <laughs> but I, I, I got it, though. It's like, I, I get it, man. I get you needing to write this one wrong that's kind of hanging over your head. And the reason I'm kind of giving him a pass on that. People still talk about that fucking t- that title reign he had. Like people still talk about it t- almost twenty years uh, twenty years later. It's like people really point to that as the last you know that last line that last uh, straw that just destroyed WCW. And so whenever WCW is brought up and world champions are brought up, usually someone and I, this is coming from someone who has a lot of friends who are wrestling fans who usually take a shot at Arquette wherever they can. So just thinking about it from my inner circle perspective, I'm like, I get it, man. I get why you would want to write this wrong. But as the documentary really picks up, he goes down to Tijuana and starts to train. And he trains with one of my personal favorite wrestlers, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't done DDP yoga, kids, it's great. I actually really enjoy DDP yoga. Um, it First off, Diamond Dallas Page is 60, I believe. Oh, I think so. And he's uh, he's an AEW now. Uh, um, he yep. actually had a he actually had a match like eight months ago, and it was awesome. I was like, oh my god! Um, jumped off the top rope to the outside. I was like, oh my god! Diamond Dallas Page will <laughs> do this shit. Um, but I love that Diamond Dallas Page because you know he worked with Arquette um, on his during his world title reign. He uh, he was a part of the tag match because Arquette pinned Eric Bischoff because um, it was Arquette and Page against Bischoff and Hogan. That's what it was. And, you know, Page asked him, like, why do you want to get back in this? And Arquette, I think this is the most humble moment he has in the documentary, or one of them, where he just goes, like, look, you know, I'm 46. I really just want to try it one more time, and I just need some guidance. Like, it's, he is essentially begging, like, do you just help me? And I love that Arquette, uh, or that uh, Paige tells him, like, you know fans are going to shit on you, like, initially. And he's not wrong, because, oh, oh, the fans in this are, so I think we can both admit, Ray, like, as wrestling fans, like, we, you know, we love who we love, we hate who we hate. Um, If Roman Reigns heard some of the things I've said about him throughout the years, but but he's, he's doing better now. But I, I love the fact that it shows that fans how fickle and just how dickish wrestling fans can be because when he comes back stateside, because when he's in Tijuana, he's really grinding it out. There's that first initial training session where he learns to do a Hurricane Rana and he's just so clearly in his own head about it because he wants to do, he wants to do well with this. And sometimes you want to do so well with something that you psych yourself out and you know, even the 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 Lucha uh, the Lucha uh, Libre wrestlers there are like, look, if you can't get this, we have to kick him out. You know? Yeah, and- I mean, they're not they're not taking it easy on him at all, and and that's one of those things is is that 
I think the other thing that people are going to realize through this documentary, wrestling fans especially, is that when he was thrown in the ring the first time, he was just an actor. They didn't, he had no training, none. They threw him in there. They put him in there with wrestlers who knew what he was, they were doing so they could cover him. And then they did most of the work and then he came in and fell on the guy, you know, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's all there was to it. He never had. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's kind of nuts in that aspect how he's how he's doing this stuff. I mean, for the first time, and I, I remember, I, I believe, um, I believe, I, I want to say Diamond Dallas Page was like four, I, no, I think it's 35, 36. Mm-hmm. Once he debuted on a on on a WCW, so I mean he was older in the game. So I mean to think about almost being fifty, getting in this shit, and again, you, like you said, he's really grinding it out. Um, I was laughing so hard at the street wrestling thing because I did not know <laughs> that was a thing. I didn't know that happened. What is that? <laughs> so that was kind of mind blowing to me, Ray. So for those of you who don't know, so street wrestling. I don't know if it's specific to to, to Mexico or it's a territory a territory thing, but they fly just have a couple of luchadors and they have a chair typically, and they just like do flips and like slap each other and punch, and they do it in traffic, like as people are stopped at lights and then run up, you know, to cars and collect, uh, you know, collect money. It's it's a fucking trip, and and, and Arquette, his first kind of big moment is he jumps off a ladder <laughs> that they've set in the up. Yeah, in the street and dives on these guys. I'm sitting there going, okay, please don't jump. Because first off, I remember falling off a tree when I was a kid and going, ow, that really hurt. I'm imagining falling off a ladder. Like, in the street. Yeah. The, the, again, the, when you're still awful? not, again, at this point, he's still not in any kind of shape. At either. all. At all. Like, <sighs> It, which so my heart kind of hurt watching that because I'm like, oh, please catch him, and luckily, you know, they catch him as well as they can. But you're still laying on fucking, you know, pavement, and I appreciate that in particular because there is this moment where he earns his lucha, uh, lucha libre mask, and oh, and no. that was, and I'm gonna be, uh, look, uh, n- no, uh, no shame in my game. I got a little choked up. I was like, okay, man, like you're starting to kind of get it. And it's, it's cool because the, his first match that he has, uh, he, he has the mask on, which I did appreciate. He's, you know, keeping up the tradition, but the fans are cheering him and he does this. Um, he does a hurricane Rana. It looks great. And he does this, uh, dive to the outside. I went, okay, that looked good. But he hits this like basement drop kick. On this one, on this other Lucha door, that really caught me off guard. He went, okay, he's not shit at this. Like he clearly is a fan, and you know, I felt like I was living vicariously through him. I'm like, oh, I, I could do a Hurricane Rana. Like, come on. But um, that's kind of when we get into the Rocky aspect of it. You know, he buys his own ring. You pretty much hear the theme music. You know, dun, 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 <laughs> he off. actually stops drinking. He gets, he loses some weight. Yeah, he's. You watch him. You watch him do these things, and you're still like, but I'm still, I'm still going, you just had a heart attack. 
Oh, I was you scared know, the whole time. Are you like, you do gonna, yeah, it, the title is You Can't Kill David Arquette, but I'm still not sure at this point. <laughs> the, my my biggest complaint about this documentary is that he went on Wendy Williams, and I fucking hate Wendy Williams. I was like, <laughs> uh, this bitch. Like, I was very irritated by that. I was like, God, I hate her so much. But um, she, he has this, uh, so he gets trained by Peter Avalon, too, who is an AEW. I love Peter Avalon. He yeah. He's one of my favorite heels. In, in wrestling right now. Um, I love the quote that Arquette has. There's this point where he goes, uh, it's a sport no matter what anyone says. It's like a it's like a theatrical sport on steroids. And I was like, that's a really good way to actually describe pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because like uh he gets into this feud um and I can't remember I don't remember if they say what what movie it was for, but he's on a red carpet and uh, RJ City, who if you don't know who RJ City is, look him up. He's a badass. Uh, they have this uh, scuffle on the red carpet, which leads to a match. And you see RJ City and Arquette going over spots for the match to end up having. And it's fascinating to see Arquette's ring psychology because, again, he even though he's just a fan and he's getting you know in the wrestling proper now, he clearly gets how to call spots and where to kind of slow things down, where to pick things up. And watching the spots in the match, um, I'm going to seek out the full match. I was like, I'm having a lot of fun watching this. Like, what were you kind of thinking like up to that point? Cause it does feel like he is actually starting to get it, you know, by that point. Oh no, he's getting it. And he's, he's getting it. And, and I applaud him for that. But again, I'm still in, in, in <laughs> you know, this is, this is the empathy. This is the empathy the over empathy that I have sometimes I'm sitting in the back of my mind going, please. Oh, 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 he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. Someone's going to kill him. Someone's going to die. Oh my God. You know? And, and the last thing you want is not only for that to happen, but you don't want this to get cut short because if it gets cut short, he doesn't get that redemption. He's looking for no matter why it gets cut short, you know? Yeah. And you, by this time you are rooting for him again, somebody who, you know, like we said at the beginning, joke we couldn't have cared less about before this, whatever, whatever. He is not going to get that redemption if this doesn't work for any reason at all. And I'm just, I, I would, I'm still scared. I'm still scared. I'm still talking to my TV while this is going on. But it's, it's interesting to the route he takes from there is that he is so dead set on having this redemption and being seen as legitimate that he goes into basically death matches after this. Yeah. So scary. We have to talk about that. So there are very few things that make me uncomfortable. uh, Even though I I am watching the season of the boys right now and Holy shit, Homelander, what's wrong with you? Um, (laughs) We can talk about that off mic, but um but like you mentioned, he he stopped smoking and drinking. He lost fifty pounds. Like mm-hmm. he like he really is taking it seriously. He got cut. I was like, okay, man. Like, but there's this death match he ends up having with um um. So first off, the first match he technically has in this like backyard wrestling thing. Look. I I'm gonna be real. I had a problem with that. Like yeah. I had a really big problem with that because he had, he had no business being there. Yeah, yeah, because it, it it like he even says like I didn't expect you know that many people to be here, but oh my god, no one's here, and 
it really felt like some fans taking advantage of him. And that really did piss me off, to, to, to be completely honest. That was something where they're like, oh, like, come on, Hollywood. Like, you're a pussy. Get up. And he's going to hit with those, like, fluorescent light tubes, which I've been hit with a kendo stick doing backyard wrestling. Um, whole other story. Um, that shit fucking hurts. Uh, a kendo stick hurts. It hurts really badly. So... Yeah, but I, it just, it's, it's still a totally different thing than those fluorescent tubes. Those tubes are yes. dangerous. No, no, they are. And, and so when you see him take, uh, he takes a couple shots with him, and you're like, okay, this needs to stop. And he takes his elbow from a guy too, and I was like, oh man, that looked bad. It, it. There are points in this documentary where it is uncomfortable, and the last death match he has, he almost died. Um, oh, that he was. He's wrestling guy's what, on two Nick- different blood thinners. Two different blood thinners. Yeah, and he got cu- in the and he got cu- and he got cut on his neck. Like that was where I was like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. So he gets hit by uh, I think the wrestler was uh, I think it was Nick Cage. I want to say not that Nick Cage, but he gets hit with like a like a like a four pack of the fluorescent tubes. Like gets hit in the head, and I was like, okay, I, that's that's not good. But then he starts cut like takes one of the broken edges of the tube, starts digging his skin and starts cutting his neck. And so Arquette walks out of the ring at a point, like holding his neck. Yeah, because he went too deep. I mean, yeah. I know it wasn't intentional, but, you know, it, got, it went too deep. Yeah, it went too deep and gets like a scarf and wraps it around his neck and then comes back in and takes the pin uh, and immediately goes to the hospital. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking insane. And... It, that led to a scene with a, a clip from the Joe Rogan experience. And I got to be honest, um, outside of news radio, I think Joe Rogan sucks. I've never liked Joe Rogan. I think he is just, I don't get his podcast too, to be honest. I've listened to it a couple of times. And I, I don't get why everyone is like, he's so great. I, I think his stand up sucks too, but that's a whole other thing. But the way that Rogan and Jake the Snake Roberts were talking about Arquette it was really mean spirited, like 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 really mean spirited to a point that I was like, "Wow, fuck you both!" Actually, like his um Rogan's co-host, I can't think of the guy's name; it doesn't really matter. But he's kind of the one person out of the three who's kind of given Arquette some props. Um, yeah, I I was really irritated by that too. It's like the guy almost died, and you're just like, "Oh man, what?" Like, "Oh, he's a former world heavyweight champion." What the fuck? I'm like, "Wow, really?" That's that's what you're taking away from this? Like, you're like no, they didn't. They didn't see the match. They probably didn't even see the early. They knew nothing about it. They were just getting told at the time. I think. Ugh, it but, almost seemed like that, especially Joe Rogan. I don't. You know. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, heaven forbid, do research for your podcast. But it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> like, like, give me a fucking yeah. break. But, but the thing that did, or one of the things that really did break my heart, is that Luke Perry was the one. So I didn't know they were close. Like that—that that is something I will like full disclosure. I had no idea that uh, that uh, Arquette and Perry, I guess, were really good friends up until uh, his passing. Uh, rest in peace, Luke Perry. Um, I so again, we're wrestling fans. Luke Perry's son, uh, uh, Jungle Jack Perry, wrestles under Jungle Boy in AEW. One of my favorite wrestlers, by the way. Uh, some of the most beautiful hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God forbid like, he ever loses his hair. Oh my god. Oh my god. His hair is beautiful. Like it belongs in a museum. It really does. But seeing Luke Perry like seeing Luke Perry kind of 
I don't want to, like, it made me sad, but it was kind of like a, almost like a culture shock thing. I was like, oh my God, like, Luke Perry, like, he, I didn't really know how much Luke Perry was involved in, in his son's wrestling career as far as being supportive. It was really cool to see that and to know that him and Dave were such good friends. I'm like, okay, right on. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, it makes it even more heartbreaking, honestly, because I, I really wish Luke Perry could have seen where his son is now because his son's getting you yeah. know, huge cheers now yeah. or Definitely. with AEW and everything. But I love the fact that Arquette went through that death match. His wife even talks about how, you know, the irony that, you know, she was worried about him wrestling and how he really just stopped, you know, stopped taking care of himself and everything. And I, and I really would have wished, I, I really wish there would have been a little bit firmer of a time timetable on that. As far as how much time passed between the death match and the last match he ends up having at that Legends of Wrestling event, yeah. I wish they would have. I wish they would have established that a little more. I but, totally agree. But I mean, I'm I'm kind of nitpicking, admittedly. But I mean, as far as other stuff in the documentary, and I feel like we haven't even touched on everything I want to touch on because there's so much. There's a lot in this documentary that's kind of surprising. Um, there's a scene where he's getting tan, and that's. <laughs> I, oh god so you get some david arquette butt so i mean if that's what you're don't looking get for more that yeah like you don't get david arquette dick you don't get any dad uh, <laughs> you don't get any dad dick but uh, <laughs> but there's a scene where he's getting like sprayed with the spray tan and he has like a i don't think you call it like a banana hammock but almost like a uh, yeah kind of they call it the sock i think yeah. I think they call it the sock. Which, which is absurd to see him in. And you see him getting sprayed down. And I love that his wife goes, oh, what about the movie you're going to go shoot later? And he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm like, you can't forget about that. But what I, but going to, and, and I'm not going to spoil this because I, I do want people to discover this last thing for themselves. There is, so David Arquette, kind of the the end of the hero's journey, as it were, he ends up wrestling Mr. Anderson, formerly Mr. Kennedy, at this Legends Wrestling event. His wife, Arquette's wife, does something that is so incredibly thoughtful, and it's something that you would, hopefully, do for a spouse, that I actually had to pause the documentary because I actually started crying. I was like, that's such a beautiful gesture of, like, that she's with him. And I, it really did make me tear up, Ray. I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, my God, that's so fucking beautiful. Uh, like, kind of your thoughts like as far as how it kind of wrapped up and everything. Oh, God, no, no. What you're talking about, yes, it, it, that was incredibly sweet. And you and and then you have the match and you see what happens. And again, we don't want to go the whole way into it. But by the end of this, it just reinforces the fact that we've now had two wrestling documentaries that have come out within a couple of weeks of each other that I can recommend to people who know nothing about wrestling. Yeah. And this one, you know, this one you can just, just on the fact that it's David Arquette, because most people, whether they like David Arquette or not, uh, they at least know the name and you can pull them in from the celebrity angle, maybe possibly, but it's like, I can recommend this to you, even if you are not a wrestling fan, because as much as this is about wrestling, as much wrestling as is in it, 
this is really about one man's journey and the people in his life and the people who stick by him through the entire thing. And I don't care if you're not a wrestling fan, this is, this is something that will affect you. And I, I, I can recommend it to, you know, pretty much, uh, pretty much anybody that likes movies. Yeah. I, so my, my roommate, he's a, he's a huge wrestling fan and I, I was really talking to him about this and I, I mean, he's going to watch it anyway, but I told him like, look, dude, I have more respect for David Arquette after watching this. I, um, again, as someone who deals with depression, deals with anxiety, um, where he's, I, I can't remember if it's Patricia Arquette or if it's his wife. I think it's Patricia Arquette, but, um, who looks who looks great, by the way. Uh, but she uh, she talks about how you know his anxiety is crippling, but he's always in just such a state of anxiety. It's hard for him to ever uh, it's hard for him to ever calm down. And Arquette drops this line that I'll be honest, it's kind of how I live my life, where he talks about you know I hate growing up. I love the way kids see the world, and it's like yeah, because when you're a kid, you know the world hasn't you know beaten you down yet. <laughs> you got you, you know you have this optimistic view. Uh, you know, of, of of the world, you know, like you're like, you, you know, so I, I appreciate the way his brain kind of explains shit. Um, there's this one scene where he has like these, uh, these, I guess you call them these puppets, these marionettes. And yes, yeah. And where that's kind of done, it really reminded me, and this is so random, it reminded me of that scene of Mel Gibson in The Beaver when he first gets the puppet and he's talking to it. It kind of reminded me of that. Like, I know it's just a random reference to Bull, but yeah. the way the way he's talking to these marionettes and kind of working through his own shit in that scene, I was like, that's a very, like, a naked moment. Like, like that's something that he could have easily been like, yeah, cut that shit, but that's in there for a reason. And you get these pockets of that where you go, okay, we're getting more into the psyche. And I, and I really appreciate those scenes because they're very raw. They're very real they might make you uncomfortable. And if so, to be honest, I think you should check yourself as far as how you think about mental health. Um, but that's a whole nother podcast, but I, I really appreciate those little pockets um, in the scenes. And uh, honestly, Mr. Anderson, he showed up like he showed up in better shape than Mr. Anderson did. And that's his fucking job. So I'm kind of like, dude, where are you at? Like <laughs> you need to be putting in the work that our cat's putting in. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into our final thoughts here. I have genuine admiration for David Arquette. Um, there is a scene where his daughter, who is so not about him getting into wrestling at first, when she's at the actual event. Oh, yeah, where, the oldest one, yeah. Yeah, where she just starts, like, flipping him off. And, yeah, I was like, okay. Like, he, like, clearly what he's doing is working. I appreciate that. Um, as a wrestling fan, I think this goes right uh this belongs right along there with something like uh, uh, Wrestling of Shadows and something like uh, like Beyond the Mat. Um, as far as documentaries, like you could easily do a documentary, uh, like a documentary double feature with this and uh, in Wrestling of Shadows. Um, I'd probably watch this one first. Uh, maybe watch this one second, actually, because the Bret Hart one's kind of a bummer. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but this is an incredibly well done documentary. Uh, the directors of it. Uh, uh, Price James and David uh, Darg. Uh, Price James, this is his. This is their first uh, 
first anything. This is their first. This is their directorial debut. So props on that. And then um, David Dark has done like four movies stretched out between 2010 and 2015. So not a huge body of work. So I mean, the way this is presented is very well done as well. So I myself. Just because of some of the some of the stuff gets a little too intense for my liking, I won't go fan fucking tastic. So I'm gonna give this a solid A plus though. I think that's fair for this. Um, it'll probably be on my best of for this year. I don't. I mean, Lord knows whatever shit watch could come out this year, but, yeah. but but I'm gonna use a solid A plus. Um, this is something I actually have uh rented initially, and I will be buying on Friday when uh. I get paid. So yeah, this is all an A plus for me, but Ray, your final thoughts and your grade. Um, yeah. And I, I, I hate that this uh, particular podcast had no dissent whatsoever for the audience. You know, we couldn't argue, we couldn't yell at each other or anything, you know, to make it in- more interesting, but yeah, what um, you, gonna do? <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you uh, completely. This is something that as a documentary is just, plain as a documentary is very well done you know there was only a couple of things in there where i was like i wish they would have gone into a little more um but everything else is is spot on as far as documentaries go i think again it's something you can recommend to a lot of people wrestling fans or not i think if you're a wrestling fan this is probably essential viewing not just because it's about wrestling but because like you said at the beginning a lot of us still have there's still a lot of prejudices about who david arquette was and what he did in the business and what he you know a lot of people think he did to the business um i look at this and i i find it compelling i find it a little frightening at times uh you know but it's a good thing and i would think too the other wrestling documentary i was mentioning that just came out within a couple of weeks is the the one about vampiro uh the nail in the coffin and that's another one that because of the total humanity and the fact that you don't have to understand the wrestling business to go into it and the fact that you will get a crash course in it enough that you'll understand what's going on um that I think if if you want to do a double feature of new movies, watch these two because you've got two men here who are doing this wrestling, not only because they love wrestling, but for a complete other, on a whole nother level, they're doing it for another reason. They're doing it for, you know, something they, they feel they've got to do. And part of that is them and part of it's their, their family and part of it's their, you know, it's just something they've got to do and i i think you're right because of of a couple of little things i i can't go all the way but i'm again right with you with the a plus i say go out and watch this whether you're a wrestling fan or not and um enjoy it but you know also get ready there's a couple of moments in there where depending on how much of a wrestling background you have and how into wrestling you are, you might need a Kleenex. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. And oh, stay through the credits too, because you get some nice, oh, like, absolutely stay through the credits. Yeah, that that was something I was not expecting because I was just like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm like, oh, no, 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 never mind. Um, he has a great interaction with uh, 
MJF, who oh, he's such a detestable piece of shit right now, and that that oh, was is. that was something that made me so happy. So yeah, stay through the credits, and um, yeah, but uh, whew, yeah, this was uh, so I had to actually watch this on my computer because um, my partner was still asleep, and there were multiple points I had to cover my mouth and go like, oh shit, because I was trying not to wake her up. And <laughs> but, should, have wake, should have woke her up and made her watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, he, he works a lot, so I was like, "Oh, she slept until one today." I was like, oh, good for you." I was up at seven watching this, so you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? But um, Ray, thank you so much for being on. Do you have? Uh, where can people find you? Do you have Twitter? Like, can people follow you? Or you know, I'm I am a complete. Luddite in some of this stuff. It's funny. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Instagram. I do have the Facebook. So I'm on there. It's it's Ray Anderson on Facebook. Um, and then of course um, you can catch me here and there on the Screener Squad over at one of us. But I I am thrilled that we got to do this. I am thrilled that you asked me to come do this. I really am. I, I thank you so much, and, and maybe next time we can get uh, to talk about something that we have a total opposite opinion on, and we can just yell at each other for you know half an hour. Yeah, I'm I'm totally <laughs> down. <laughs> like you, you let me know, we'll find something. But um, <laughs> but thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it, um, guys. If you have seen, um, if you have seen this, let me know what you thought in the comments below. You can find us on Facebook at the Real Pineapple. You can follow yours true, uh, follow yours truly on the Twitter. At J Hunter Real Pineapple, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Nearman the First, and you can find uh go ahead and like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on, who here comes the list, uh, SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, uh, Tune Up, and iHeartRadio at the Real Pineapple. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll have reviews up uh here this week for uh Central Park season one because I have so much to say about that. Uh, as well as for the old guard and for the babysitter and the babysitter killer queen. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, go out and support this documentary. It's a blast. And uh, Ray, thank you again for being on. I appreciate you. And we'll talk to you guys soon. You guys take care. Wear a mask so we can get out outside. <laughs> take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.